This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 18. I'm going to mistakenly say 19 later in the episode. Look for that. I'm P.F. Wilson, content director for Cincy Shirts and our sibling site, OldSchoolShirts.com. Today on our show, Kenny Walker from FC Cincinnati, Major League Soccer's newest franchise, we should add. I remember my first day being in, like, the, I guess, clubhouse, but the just lounge area, and then Bex walked in the door, and that was the first time I was ever, like, starstruck. So today we'll be joining MLS in 2019, and we do talk to Kenny about that as well as the Open Cup, his time with the LA Galaxy, as well as some other clubs. So be sure to listen for the 20% off code at the end of the episode. Uh, you can use that at CincyShirts.com or in-store if you have a notion. And again, get 20% off your order with that code. And we also are joined by Boston Bazell of Cincy Soccer Talk. He helps us out in our interview with Kenny. So let's get started. Let's talk to Kenny. Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Welcome, everybody, to the Cincy Shirts podcast, uh, presented to you by Cincy Shirts, of course, because yes. it's our podcast. Right. So we should be the sponsor, I feel like. I reckon, um, yeah. This is a, what? What are we on? Episode sixteen? Oh, Do we know well, yet? Do we is, want to put a is, number on it? This yet? is going to drop tomorrow, so yes. And you've already got me on the spot. Pardo does this too, though. He never knows what episode he's on. Uh, we are on episode, I think, nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. How appropriate. Yeah. I don't know why that's appropriate, but um, our guest this week, um, we have we have two. We have one that's going to be here for the assist because. We're going to need somebody to help us with the heavy lifting. FC Cincinnati's own Kenny Walker is here with us today. Thanks for being here, man. It's nice to be here, guys. And uh, we're also joined by Cincy Soccer Talks, Boston Brazel. How are you, sir? Doing well. Yeah? It's a pleasure to be here. Got me out of work today. Just, oh, just took off and said, yeah, I'll see you guys at three. As you should, right? <laughs> Nobody should be working on a day like this. Um, so we want to get to know you. We want to get to know like your thoughts on the city and the team and where the team is heading and all the amazing announcements. I mean, the the only other player we've had on so far is Jimmy. Yep. And he was on before the big announcement came. Correct. So we've got lots to talk about. But before we get to current day stuff, we want to hear about you. You're from Northeast Ohio? Yeah. From well, Cleveland area, but Wycliffe, Ohio. Wycliffe? Thriving metropolis of Wycliffe. Yes. Lake County. War Lake County. Yep. <laughs> PF is so excited. PF is from Northeast Ohio as yes. well. So he he gets very excited. I do. He gets very excited to be on the Cincy Shirts podcast and talk about, about Cleveland, Cleveland using <laughs> terms that are only popular in Europe. Yes. That is correct. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so you, you're from... Uh, you from Cleveland? Or were you a soccer kid your whole life? Was soccer your your game from the get go? No, I actually played baseball and grew up watching the Indians and the Browns, and uh, wanted to be Kenny Lofton. Of course, yes, 
So uh, Could you steal bases like Kenny? Was that the thing? Yeah, I was quick, center fielder, and then shortstop at times, but I got tired of standing in the outfield. And that's <laughs> when they put me into soccer, and that was only at age seven, so kind of got a late start, but took it. And then I think I just enjoyed running around without having to stop. Yeah. And uh, it was fun from there on end for me, and then it never really stopped since then, so... It's so weird to think that seven is a late start for someone now to get into soccer. But I guess it is one of those sports that even when I was a kid, like everybody just did it because it was like your kids would run around for an hour and uh, and tire out, you know. But it wasn't because soccer was like the sport that everybody played, which it's becoming, if not already there, here in the U.S. But... You liked it instantly? Was it something you'd ever thought about? Did anybody ever try to push you to football? No, I think it was... My parents just wanted needed to find me something else to do. And I did, like, the karate route and all that as well. But I played soccer, and then I met a couple buddies, and then we were just playing soccer. I ended up becoming, like, really good childhood friends. But uh, it was just something that I don't think... It wasn't like going to practice every day like baseball. Like, I went to practice, but if, when I was going to soccer, it was more like going out there just having fun. And I think my parents noticed that early. So your parents weren't, like, the kind of parents that are, like, set you up for the Olympic team? You know, this is your life yeah. goal? No. <laughs> no, not at all. I think it was more of I was a ball of energy and get me out of the house and yeah. do that. But Yeah, see, my high school didn't have a so- uh, football team. We were such a tiny high school that um, everybody that wanted to play a fall sport played soccer. And it was a lot of guys just used it to get in shape for if they played basketball or, for me, baseball. But but I always liked it because I played it since I was a kid. Football was never an option for me. So I've always loved soccer, playing it and watching it. And I feel like the people who get started and play at a younger age have an appreciation for watching it when they're older because they know how hard it is, you know, physically and the skill that's behind it. You know, I think that that's one of the hurdles that probably the sport has faced in this country is that, you know, if you've never played it and never paid attention to it, to you, it just looks like a a low scoring sport that's just dudes running around you know what i mean and hopefully the ball goes in eventually you know? yeah <laughs> yeah but i feel like those who played it as kids have a better appreciation for like what's going on right now especially here in, in within the city yeah for sure i think uh i get a lot of the fifa analogies especially with the video game craze oh, yeah. going on i think it's i don't know if it's people that have played it but like it they compare the real game to FIFA, and it's not <laughs> anything like that. But. There's not bicycle kicks in every yeah. game? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, I get that. It's uh, I think it's going to take a little bit for the country to get around to it, and like it's almost like you see the best players in the world. You see they start at their profession young, mm-hmm. unless you have a phenom that starts when they're later and they just figure out that they were born to do that. But, uh we know what it is to start young in sports here in the U.S. It's just soccer slowly evolving into that sport. So uh, it'll be good. I mean, a lot of the best players in the world have played from a young age, but also like the American players are the best ones like Landon. They've started playing at a young age, and it just, I guess that's just how it works. 
So you're saying that um, you can't just magically shift to a three four three, and the game will just change for you out there? <laughs> no, I mean you can. It just depends on depends on like game to game, especially like when in this league. I think it's different from when I was playing in MLS. Like you can you can make those shifts, and you could change the whole dynamic of the game because maybe the players you're playing against aren't really in tune to if someone changes where they're at five or ten yards like starting position that that would completely mess up what they were doing five minutes ago to potentially press you and win the ball but uh it's this is an interesting league and i mean uh it takes a while and a lot of the new guys have came down from different leagues and from higher levels to this usl team it's i told them i was like it's going to take you a little bit to get used to the style that this league plays at but uh it's fun. It's been great for the past three years, and I come to like it. And I mean, we got knocked out of Open Cup early this year, but that was a tough game. Yeah, those are those are the games I think that a lot of us strive for because MLS teams come down and they think that they're they think that they're better or higher caliber just because they're in the higher league. But if you were to play them week in week out, if you put us in the MLS, I think we would fare up there with some of the MLS yeah. teams. I think you guys showed that last year for sure. And then, you know, the, this game, I don't want to talk too much about this particular game. I mean, because I'm sure it's not a fun subject for you, but, but also we, we want the, this podcast to be relevant, you know, yeah. months, years from now that people are getting to know you and they didn't have to be listening at a specific time. But, but, but I thought that very same thing last week. I mean, the crew game last year, um, I was at and it was the energy I felt like even if even if we even if we were below them in terms of skill the energy in the stadium felt like it was going to even it out and then I was watching the Chicago Fire game because my family was on vacation I'm I'm in a in Florida in our hotel trying not to wake everyone losing <laughs> my mind watching that Chicago Fire game and and I was like we're we're this isn't like a home field advantage thing. Like we are keeping up with them. And then last week against Minneapolis, I was like, we we were probably the better team for the majority of the game, if not the whole game. You know what I mean? Right up until the end, which is at that point, any level of you know soccer who can kick a penalty kick could win theoretically, right? Yeah. But that whole game, I don't, I felt like FC Cincinnati was the dominant team in terms of controlling the ball and. Physical play, speed. We had way more shots on goal, it seemed like. It felt like late in the second half before they even had a shot on goal. But that that has to make you feel good with the recent announcement of moving up that going in, we know we can play with these guys right away. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think a lot of – I mean, it's just athletes in general. Like, you're going to take pride in showing somebody that even if they're at a higher level that you can at least hang with them and – I think this club's have sh- this club has shown over the past, especially last year, that playing the bigger clubs, it might not be the best or the prettiest thing going up and playing against them, but we hold our own against those clubs. So I think it's uh, individual pride is in there, but I think for this club, I think it's a really big thing for us to have that pride and be able to stand our ground when they show up. Right. And plus, I mean, an overwhelming majority of people on the team have already played at that level. So 
like that's probably a bonus too, right? To to have had experience against those teams versus like you know if you're a college kid who's going into pro for the first time, they don't they don't really know the level they're going up against, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know Corbis always talks about uh, the Chicago game last year where he could have won it at the end, I think, of regulation or overtime, and he got it saved by the goalie. But if he would have scored that one, I mean, it's a it's going against your old club again, but uh, those are ones he always talks about and always shows up in when we are watching Open Cup games where he has that chance to score, but he, I don't know, something special scoring against your old club, but doing it in the fashion of that tournament, I think, has a little bit more meaning to it. Yeah. So uh, let's backtrack a little bit. So you you grow up in Cleveland, then you go play at Louisville? Yep. Right? So how did you end up at Louisville? Um, I was going to go to Akron originally, and then uh, Ken Lola was there. He's a head coach. And I gave my verbal commitment probably, I think, my junior year of high school. I said, yeah, I'll come play there because I didn't really want to go too far away from home. Yeah. And uh, he, I think they made a run to the national championship or the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, I think, two years leading up to that. I was like, yeah, I'll come there and play. It looks to be good. And uh, he said he was going to leave and go down to Louisville and move down into the Big East into a bigger league. And it's supposed, supposed to be better soccer. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I guess I'll travel there with you. I just want to go see what Kentucky's about because I'd never been down there. <laughs> and uh, we went down there for a weekend and hung out, did the college student stuff where you walk on the campus and all that and then I was like yeah this this is fine the field was grass and it was nice and I was like yeah that works so ended up down there nice and then you're picked in the second round by the galaxy yep and Bruce Arenas Bruce Arenas is the head coach yeah was he the men's national coach at that time or was he was coming off of I think it was not the World Cup before that. The one, two World Cups before that, he was the coach. Because I think it was Bradley that was oh, okay. the yeah. current coach. So what was that like to be to go play for the LA Galaxy, which probably with the revol at the time the revolution. I mean, it was easily yeah. one of the jewels of the MLS. Yeah, for crown. me it was. I don't know. It was it was cool. But I think for me, like, I remember my first day being in, like, the, I guess, clubhouse, but the just lounge area, and then Bex walked in the door, and that was the first time I was ever, like, starstruck. And like, yeah. I couldn't say, like you said, what's up, and I was just kind of, i pretty sure I just stared at him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a, I mean, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience coming from playing college and then going into a level where, players have played at world cups and some of the highest levels you can play at so it was fun for me i mean it was an experience i'll never forget but uh like that caliber of player and when they bring those kind of guys together it's something that's special that's pretty it's pretty cool i went out there last month actually to finally go to my first galaxy game because i was like you gotta see what the hype is around this team i know they're not um like top tier exactly like they were back then um but uh you know they've had a uh, what a year or two now of of mediocre results but they brought in zlatan and i was like all right now's the time i'm gonna go i'm gonna go check it out and and even though that stadium's kind of out there 
um, man, they pull crowds, and yeah. uh, it, it was it was a really fun experience just to to you know feel that. I can't imagine being like a player there. Yeah, I mean, I sat on I think it was my the second MLS Cup when we were at home, and I was on the bench, and that was that was probably one of the most like influential games that I've been a part of, but uh, just like feeling that atmosphere. I mean, I think it was only like twenty six or twenty seven thousand, but just the buzz in the air of being in a final with all that around you is incredible. So I'm I'm kind of jumping around here, but I want to piggyback off that. So you know, all we've had so far is games in a football stadium, and they've been like they've been incredible. Like to be a fan there, like it's been insane. But these soccer stadiums are built to sort of help keep some of the noise in and the plans I've seen for the FC stadium is kind of built that way. Like what, what is the difference between playing in a soccer specific stadium versus like where you're at now, which still has an awesome atmosphere, but is it, is it just next level? Cause I went up to a U.S. men's game at, uh, Maffrey and you know, it just felt, I felt closer. You know what I mean? Is, Is that the case? Yeah, I think it, I don't know if it's, like Nippert's kind of we push the field as wide as we can and then you know, we have like the the new walls that are up and then even the video boards that are up but there's mm-hmm. still that distance of maybe anywhere from 10 yards from the first person to the end line yeah and I think on some fields there's only maybe you have the little space but then you haven't maybe only like five or six yards but that's around the entire stadium right. so right. like if you drop the Bailey down onto the floor that's where that first player or the first fan would be and then surround that by the field. But <laughs> it's like L.A. is kind of built like a – it's built to more entertain everything else so they can have multiple things in there. But, like, I think one of the craziest environments is Seattle in MLS. It and looks you know, insane. Just – but that's a football stadium yeah. as well. But you can tell, like, you when there's 60,000 in there and they're screaming, you can feel that coming down on you. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah. Is it? Is it? I mean, I don't know if you would want to admit this if you felt that way, but is it intimidate? Is that kind of environment intimidating? Like to, like, can it get in your head when it's uh, that crazy? Not really. I think it's more of, for me as a player, it kind of gives me the adrenaline kick. And it's not like the to shut them up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit, but it's more of. You kind of have to hone in on your senses and maybe you focus a little bit more on just the little things, like your first touch, because you take that bad touch and the crowd sees it, they're going to they're gonna let you know. But it's just the little things, And but if you do it, do what you're supposed to do right, then either you shut them up or if it's your fans, then they're on your side the whole time. I mean, you can... You guys attested, like, when Nippert's full and we're doing well and we're going on the counterattack, that's, I mean, that's, if you ask a lot of MLS players, they don't have that besides maybe four or five other places around the world or the country. So, yeah, I love it at Nippert, especially this uh, last week or the week before. Um, we're playing a team and, uh, and, and the fans thought that the player had, had made a dive there towards, uh, towards the end of the goal. They booed him the rest of the game. I mean, every time that guy got the ball, <laughs> there's 20, what, 4,000 fans booing him. 
I know for a second I thought, man, I wonder what it's like to be that guy. <laughs> Just don't pass a ball to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you're at the LA Galaxy and uh and I've been I was reading this on your Wikipedia page and I wanna get it I wanna get it correct, but it said uh you made your debut against Houston, you played one half and then you didn't play again the rest of the season. Yeah. So what is that like, man? I mean you're like at the level, you're getting into the game and then, you know, is that driving you to like to improve, or did you just feel like you had to find the right place for you to get in? I'm just curious to know because it just seems like you're on this crazy arc to where everybody that wants to play soccer would dream of being, and then you get there, and then you're not playing right away. Like, wh- how frustrating is it? Uh, I mean, I, Bruce, we sat down and talked. I mean, the difference between I think a lot of a lot of well things that people don't see obviously when you come into like especially an environment like the galaxy they're already going to have their 15 guys that are probably going to play majority and then there's going to be the young guys or the guys that just came in that you potentially a aren't going to play at all so you're just building up to learn to get there or you're going to be there to if somebody goes down you're going to hopefully fill in but like for me for that situation i think it was Maybe like we had Champions League was going on that time. So you have the three day or three games a week going on. So I think Houston, it was a, I remember this one vividly because it was, I think in June or July and it was a 2 p.m. kickoff and I think it was like 100 degrees, 105. So it was, for me, I think it was my first start. Yeah. The adrenaline, it being that hot and, by the time I was done with half, like I was dizzy walking out the field because I was just running around nonstop. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, but I learned quickly, like they weren't looking for me to be somebody that stepped in and continued playing throughout the rest of the year. Right. It was just giving those guys that break. So is that an understood thing in soccer then? I mean, for most people at that level, cause you, you, you know, are the things we compare it to are baseball, basketball, and um, football, and you know, people are drafted high to be able to be plugged in right away. So it seems like in soccer, it's still even more understood that even if you're highly touted and you're a high draft pick, that you're still going to be a learning curve, and, and people expect that coming in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's unless you're phenom or something. Yeah, unless there's different like uh, expectations. Like if you're top two or three or five picks, then you're potentially going to be one of their pieces that you're going to put in and play. Mm-hmm. But it might be like the situation that even if I would have got drafted or somebody else would have got drafted the first round from LA or one of my, my roommate, actually, he got drafted the first round to come out, but we both didn't really play until I think MLS cup semis. One of the center backs went down when he played the second leg of the semis and the final. Mm-hmm. But he pretty much essentially just plugged him in, and he was fine playing, but it wasn't like he was brought in as a first draft pick to play throughout the entire season. So, like, all the young guys just got brought in to have that learning curve, but being on that team, nobody really was going to step into that unless they went out and bought somebody with money. Did uh, the LA Galaxy at that time have a second team? We did, but it wasn't... Um, they had the reserve league, so you'd play like 10 games between the conferences, so it was the East and West, so we would 
I think we had normally 10 games, and then... In ASL? Is that what it was? No, it wasn't even... Like, USL was still there, but it was only MLS teams that would be playing each other. Okay. So, like, say Vancouver came down for the weekend to play, we would play on, like, the Sunday after the Saturday game, like Sunday morning. Okay, yeah. We'd have a match the next morning and play. And those were the reserve games. And then you also have that same team to play Champions League, like knockouts, so these guys don't have to play and just worry about the league. Oh, gotcha. And then okay. once it got to the knockout rounds, then these guys would be playing that stuff. So Now, I love the terminology in soccer that uh, that a player can be on loan. Yes. Like, <laughs> like what is that? Uh, you know, because I mean, you think about it, and it's like you loan your neighbor your your drill or your lawnmower <laughs> or something. But, like, in soccer, like, how does that work? A, a club says, hey, you've got this guy on your team, and... You know he's waste. You know you're wasting him on the bench. Can we pay you to, yeah, to let him play down here? And and are the teams excited to do that because it gets you more time and gets you you know helps you get better quicker than just practicing per se. Yeah, I mean it. Also, I think a lot of it is it's not just black and white with every loan because like I I went on loan. I broke my foot early in my second year and then got loaned out to. Carolina for six months and I played all the time but I've been loaned to Fort Lauderdale team where I walked into the club and the coach literally told me he was like you're not playing because you came from MLS team and why I mean that was his view (laughs) he thought that we were better than all the players we were coming down to play with so he sat us on the bench for three weeks and didn't play us just because he could so like those are the lone like there's different <laughs> variants. I think I think that's pretty similar to most sports though, where the the coach doesn't like the move the GM made. Yeah. So it's out of spite, and you have to pay the price for it. Yeah, but we we were out of there within I think three four weeks, and then onto a different club. So on a loan, can the can your your parent team or whatever the term is pull you out at any time? Oh, yeah. yeah, usually there's usually like a, an agreement. So say. FC Cincinnati wanted to loan me out to Charleston Battery. Yeah. And say that a starter gets hurt and they need another midfielder to come back, they could write it in and be like, at any time, if we need to pull him back, we're going to pull him back without any say. And they would agree to it. And then, but from then on, I would be with Charleston until something happened. And then they'd be like, you got to come back. Yeah. So it's kind of like loaning out to get playing experience. I think that's the biggest thing. So what is it? What does it feel? I mean, I hate that. I, I don't want you to think like I'm asking you questions to like talk about like yeah. <laughs> points in your career that maybe weren't your favorite. But I'm just curious to know like when you get the notification like you're being loaned to a team, do you are at that point are you excited to get some playing time and play at a lower level, or would you rather be quote unquote on the bench at the MLS level? Yeah, I think. For me as a player from like growing up and playing all the time and being one of the better players on every team and then walking into <laughs> not being anywhere near the best player, I've realized quickly, I was like, you just need to find somewhere where you can play. And I thought about it my second career. Do I leave L.A. and go play somewhere and try and just go play soccer or stay here and learn from these guys in training? And it came to a point where I sat down with Bruce and he said, look, you're not going to get the minutes you need here. You need to go somewhere else and get game experience at a professional level. So that's what the loan to Carolina was for. And then I think the season after I got a 
I was starting to get into games and started a couple of them, but it wasn't until I decided to leave LA to come here is where that question comes in. If I wanted to go another MLS team and potentially sit on the bench or go down a level and actually play all the time. And at that time that you made that decision, had you heard the pitch of this could one day be an MLS team or were you not even worried about where Cincinnati's team was going to go? Cause they hadn't even started at that point. Were, was it just a play every day thing? Even if, you know, like, did you come here thinking I could go there and if it goes well, then I'll be back in the MLS. Or did you go thinking, even if it stays at the USL, I'm going to get to play every day. I think, um, like I think that initial group, a lot of us, it was, you always had that sight, but realistically, like if you look at it, we are just kind of like, there's no way, unless everything goes perfectly, there's no <laughs> chance you're ever going to make it up there. But I mean, things fell in order pretty rapidly here. And I thought it would have been cool to be part of an inaugural group and then maybe get the club up to MLS and then hopefully I'll have a year, but I thought it would have been like four or five years down the line, not yeah. three, but maybe have another year or two to maybe sit the bench or be one of the old guys that help the young <laughs> kids play. But, I mean... That Is that was... crazy to think about now that you could be the guy that some second-round draft kid comes in and goes, man, I, I'm never going to get in. They got, got Kenny Walker on the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, that's the... It's the world of sports. I mean, pretty soon I'll be playing with kids that are half my age. So it'll be it'll be interesting. But yeah, it was MLS was always like a goal and be like cool to get there. But for me, it was I just wanted to play. I think first and foremost, be closer to family, and then just enjoy. I think soccer again and yeah. not being almost as a practice yeah geographically player. that probably made the decision a little easier too because you're, yeah. you're not far from home here yeah can so. we circle back uh, yeah. just for a second you you mentioned coming and be, you know wanting to be a part of the inaugural squad i think that's something special right most athletes in their career go to a team that's been long established or you know already has players you went to a team that had nothing and and you got to watch it from the ground up and i think that's pretty rare you know can you can you kind of just go into um, like even the craziness or the, 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 the what, what was cool about it, what was hectic about it, what was, uh, you know, were there times where they, you know, they forgot the balls? <laughs> yeah, because we talked to Jimmy and we talked about, you know, they were sending they were sending you guys out to car shows oh, yeah, and stuff to, to, just, people. Hitting to meet people. Yeah, yeah to just big. say, hey, there's a soccer team, and, and now you don't need any help. Well, people forget when the first season, people were like, you think someday we could be in the MLS? People were like, oh, that's crazy. That's nuts. There's so many other USL teams that have been around longer and everything like that. The, the thought of being in MLS was just insane, and now here we are. Yeah. What was that like from the beginning? Um, I mean, for me, it was kind of like a, a little bit of a shock because I was coming from, like you said, the Galaxy had been established and part of MLS for since the beginning. And coming here was kind of, I don't know, I think my expectations were already set at a certain standard. So coming here was fun. I knew it was going to be different, but I just didn't know how different it was going to be with starting everything from the ground up. And I think it was from, I think, the standpoint of, like, this, not the staff, but the office. 
because they they were brand new at it too. I think a lot of them are coming over from the Bengals, so it's kind of like football driven, and they were doing everything like American football. And I was like, guys, we can't. We were trying to tell them like we can't do this as players. We can't go out and do appearances the day before a game for an hour in the sun and then come back in and play the next day. I was like, we can't do that. But those were, I mean, that all got mixed in the next year. But, I mean, those were, like, just the little things that it made it hard for us. But at the same time, we were kind of just like, you knew this was going to happen. You need to just go with it and play. But it was fun. I think with that group that we had that first year, it was it was a lot of characters in the group. So it was easy to go out and do all these things. You were always there with your buddies, and it was new for everybody. So everybody was learning from the first time. Yeah, Jimmy said that he was friends with Austin Berry and Corbin. Were there guys – I mean, it seems like uh, at that level in the, within the U.S., a lot of guys know each other. Were, were there guys on the team that you knew before you got here, or did anybody play a, a crucial role in, in, in saying, hey, you should come here, or did you do that for someone else? Is there someone you brought to the team? Yeah, I think me, me and Austin played at Louisville together. So I knew him from college, and then he brought it up about coming here, and I was like, hey, there's no way I'm leaving L.A. and coming to Cincinnati to start a club. That was, I think, in like June of that year before the club actually started. And then it got closer to it, and I was, I knew I was moving on and wanted to get closer to home, and I just wanted to play. So he was like, yeah, come on and play. We got Corbin. And I played against Corbin in college, club, all that stuff growing up, and I knew him from MLS. So I was like, yeah, that's fine. If we can have three decent players, we'll be fine. And John Hark's the head yeah. coach, so did that did that help your decision at all? Another yeah. staple of yeah, for sure. national. I think that's when it became easier for me and Austin as well. He was like, if we have a coach that understands the game, and has been there before, and we have three or four or five decent players that have been there, we'll be fine. And then after that, you can always piece it together. But I think the plan was if it goes well, we stay. But if it doesn't go so well, then you can always – we're still young enough to get out. Mm -hmm. But it's obviously gone well. (laughs) It's been fun. You're here talking to us. Right. (laughs) So. So what surprised you the most about that first year? Um, I mean, the attendance, uh, the turnout of the city was probably yeah. probably everybody's number one. But I mean, you guys seemed to to gel quickly. It wasn't it wasn't even that like this is our shiny new toy, and you know we've never got to do this. It's like like we were competitive like right out of the gate. We had a a rivalry with Louisville like instantly. Yeah. So I mean, what what part of the first season did? I think my favorite or thing that impressed me the most was it wasn't the well obviously the fans coming to the stadium but it was also like how it was happening throughout the city not like just on game days you saw the jerseys walking around the t-shirts walking around like by July of the first season and it was like hey people are wearing our jerseys walking around and six or three or four months ago they had no idea we were a team yeah so I think that was one of my favorite things just from coming from Cleveland and being a sports town where literally you're wearing Indians, Cavs, or Brown stuff week in, week out, and then you're starting a new club and they're starting to wear your jerseys or hats and all that stuff just walking around the street. But yet again, 
they had no idea who I was <laughs> from just like walking around in street clothes. And it's, that's one of my favorite parts from year one to now is that I can still walk around when I don't have my blonde hair if I cut it off <laughs> and nobody really knows who I am, but it's nice to see the jerseys and all that stuff walking around the city. I wouldn't be so sure. I got a I got a text like three weeks ago from a friend, and she um, she said I'm, I'm I'm at dinner, and and there's four FC Cincinnati players next to me. She's like, I'm pretty sure it's Kenny Walker, and and just. And she's like, I said, go say hi. Just go up and say, hey, guys, love watching you play, whatever. I can't, I can't do it. I never could talk her into it. She isn't too intimidated. That's so funny. So you have stalkers now, so that's great. <laughs> yep. Come a long it. way. Um, so, okay, so, you know, we've touched on how special last year was. What was the coaching change like for you? Because that happened, what, a, a week before the first game yeah, last it was, year? It was right, yeah. right, right at the get-go. I mean, it was... Are you guys kind of set in your – like, by that point, do you kind of already know who's playing? Because and, and, uh, it's, it's such a, it's such an interesting sport, you know, that another thing I have appreciation for is there's very few substitutions. So it's not like, yeah. oh, this guy's not playing good today, so let's get him out and rest for a few minutes and get him back in there. It's <laughs> like you set your lineup, and that's going to be your lineup for the majority of the game. So. Yeah. You know, how much coaching during the game goes into, you know, your strategy or, or is it mostly the prep leading up to the game because of how few substitutions there are? Yeah, I think it's it's more about the prep leading up. But at the same time, like if you ask Alan now, like we'll walk into a game and we'll be preparing for a team to do two or three different things and they show up and they do something completely different because they're trying to set up to beat us essentially but mm-hmm. they change what they're doing completely so then we might have something set up but then five ten minutes we have to switch that around with the players that we have on there and then if that's not working then potentially the subs are for what they're doing so it's either you're very good on the day or say they're very good on the day and we still have to figure it out then we might have to switch pieces to like maybe take off a midfielder, put on another forward to eliminate what they're doing. But you have to essentially wait until the 45-minute mark or 60-minute mark just in case for injuries, cramps, all that stuff. So you have to almost weather that storm. But the easiest way to do it is just go about your business, and you got to be better than them on the day. But at times, like we run into Louisville a couple of times where we're not our sharpest and they're very ready to go and they just put it on us for 60 70 minutes and <laughs> it's it's some some days you can get out of it and weather it and maybe you nip a goal and then they have to change again but other days it's it might be a zero zero draw which the fans hate but <laughs> yeah but you're happy to get out of there with yeah. the point yeah <laughs> So what is the difference you're saying between the USL and you know the league above and the league below? Because you say you have to tell guys, well, look for this. What do you tell guys to look for in this league? Um, it's like from, like if you watch the, I guess, soccer around the world, there's only a couple leagues where they press nonstop all over the field. And I think USL is one of them. MLS is, they do it here and there, but like I noticed from... When I was in L.A., in the midfield, you had a lot more time if you were closer to the back four just because they knew if you press 60 yards over the field, then you're going to get picked apart and they're just going to walk in. But 
here you can press all over the field and then it makes it very difficult to actually play the game but that's the way a lot of teams are built so it's it's something like it's a it's an adjustment that guys need to figure out but it's that for me that was my hardest thing coming from MLS down was the style of play that the entire league goes about hmm. and that's throughout the whole league I just because is that the different teams influence each other and that's how the play develops or is it just out people coming from outside of the other leagues maybe saying we should try pressing more and see how that works and the whole league just kind of because I know in hockey they used to have I was called something like a three person trap or something that happened yeah. in the night the New Jersey Devils were into it and then everybody started doing it and now in baseball Josh you can attest to this the shift all I hear about is the shift every time I listen to the Indians they're in the shift they're in the shift and everyone's doing that so that was that what happens something just becomes hot and everybody does it I think I don't know if it's just because of the I don't know if it's a level of play or if you if teams are building like groups to actually like have that athleticism to press but uh the way we go about it because we press so high is i mean if it works and you press high and you win the ball you don't have to travel 60 yards you're picking the ball up 30 40 yards from that so that's i mean that's our philosophy and i think a lot of clubs do that as well but it turns into both teams are pressing high so there's not a lot of space to like calm the game down and play through does that increase scoring, or is that just... I mean, it could, but at the same time, it could work into, like, a chess match. Like, because you see a lot yeah. of, I guess, the teams that are on the top of the table, either both of the teams will stop pressing, or they'll both press, and it ends up to being either a chess match where you're playing through each other, or it becomes a 4-3 game or a 3-2, oh. because you turn over and you have the players to finish in that instance, so... And do like a lot of European uh, clubs? Do they do they scout MLS and USL for for players? I mean, even when you're in college, were there interest from foreign uh, teams, or are they still uh, looking at their own? A little bit. It's I think a lot with the big European clubs, or not even the bigger ones, even second and third divisions. They're looking for the younger players. Like so, they'll grab the. 10, 11 year old kids or 13 year old kids, even younger oh. than that, like six or seven, and bring them over. <laughs> really? To put them in their system. Do their parents know about this? Is this <laughs> <laughs> you hope so, but yeah, there is a. They're more about like bringing players over to teach because, frankly, at like our level or at the American level of soccer, I think the coaching at the younger ages, like throughout the whole country because we're so spread out, isn't to where, like, if you grab 10 kids, throw them over in Barcelona or Real Madrid, they're going to pick up soccer in a month, or the way that their style that they play within a month, because they've been doing it for generations. What I think is also yeah. odd to, to add on is that um, you see clubs expanding, um, like in Manchester City. They yeah. own the New York City FC MLS Oh, yeah, team. yeah. They own um, one of the big Australian teams, and, and it's all under this umbrella, and they can actually move players continents, yeah. but it's all their <laughs> their teams. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. What do you think about uh, relegation? I think I like it personally just from being in sports or in soccer, but... I've already, we've had this talk with players, coaching staff. Like, it, I don't, 
I don't know if it'll ever get here, and if it does, it's not going to be for like twenty <laughs> to thirty years. <laughs> I can see it working below MLS, like between you know two, three, and four tier. But yeah, you'd have a yeah. tough sell once you get a pro team getting people to say, "Oh, by the way, if you finish in the bottom three, guess what? Yeah, <laughs> it's like this." I think it's more of the players would understand, but it would be the other side, the business side, that would they would just say no. Like they wouldn't I don't think they would agree to it up front because if like if Carl what he's doing right now, if he's putting all his money into it and then <laughs> we go in MLS and they're like, Yeah, if you end up at the bottom of the table, you're right back down at USL, he would be he would be like, nope. No, I'm not building a stadium, not yeah. doing all this stuff. Goodbye four hundred million dollars. Yeah. So that's where I think the US is and we're too spread out as well. Like I talked with Danny Koenig, and he said that he's eventually going to go back to um, Denmark and play. But he said within like 20 minutes of where his house is, there's 10 clubs. But they have the promotion relegation, so you can go up and down, up and down. But you could live here and say 10 minutes down the road, go to a club. Say you wow. get promoted all the way up, you stay there. But say you get promoted all the way down, you're still only 10 minutes from where you were. Mm-hmm. Or you could switch clubs and catch a club going up, but maybe you're only 20 minutes from home. I remember talking to Billy Bragg, the singer. His his team at the time was in the fourth division. This is an eight, and now they're in the premiership. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I can't remember who it is. Um, uh, I'll think of it and, and interject later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I think the other problem, I mean, like, the U.S. is not in the World Cup this year, right? So you're a guy who has played soccer here his whole life. What do you think that the U.S. needs to do as a country to catch up to being competitive with the rest of the world? I think um, they actually started to do it, I think, a little bit already is – they're starting to bring in just that young core group of players to play the friendlies that they're doing now. But you'll see a lot of those players are going to be playing abroad, overseas, either Germany, Europe, all those places. And I think if they, what they need to do is find that core group and keep them together for four years. Over this next period until the World Cup or all through the qualifying, pick your 22 or 24 and don't Obviously, you're going to have people come in and out, but you need to have a core of 15 guys that you know that in four years, potentially, that's going to be your 15 that is going to be your backbone of the U.S. national team. Mm-hmm. And then past that, you got to go with the younger generations. Like yeah. You have to start, I think it's going to be starting in the academies, like the coaching levels. Obviously, you're going to be more demanding, but you're going to have to drive to not just play at MLS level. You want to drive to push these kids overseas to go play in the higher European levels, but then your aim is to play for your national team in the World Cup. Yeah, because the big knock, I mean, I don't know that it's a knock, but, you know, people always say that a big part of the reason why the U.S. seems to be behind the rest of the world is that the best athletes typically are gravitating toward, you know, soccer or baseball, football, and basketball, because that's where the money is. Do you think that the rise in popularity of MLS and the salaries rising along with it will make it a better option for a kid who may be playing multiple sports as well? Yeah, I mean, hopefully in five years' time or six years' time, where I don't think we're ever going to be to the level of 
baseball, basketball in that time frame, but for sure down the road it'll get there, like money-wise. But I think it's going to be, people always say, like, the best one is, like, if LeBron was a soccer player or Shaq was a goalie. But <laughs> I don't know about the second one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what killed the first North American Soccer League is when Pele was the big star. Everybody was chasing Pele, and they spent millions of dollars, and then the economy went south in the 80s, and they were like, oh, wait, we can't afford to pay all these guys we got to try and beat Pele, and that's yeah. when all the teams started going under. Yeah. So when you've waited on one guy, maybe that isn't the best move. Maybe it is a better approach to have like just a bunch of uh, super Yeah, talented. development from right. the beginning. Like yeah. Yeah, these yeah. kids playing, like committed to soccer that early. Yeah. Because, you know, I love when the U.S. is competitive in the World Cup. You know, the country as a whole it's it's infectious you know what i mean but uh but then you do kind of get that like oh man i can't believe we didn't even make the turn right you know yeah. do you think that that's a step back for the perception of where soccer is or is it just sort of like a fluke that we didn't you know like or do people understand that just that's just you know we're not quite at that level every time i think that i think it was coming to a point where I think the national team knew it. I think a lot of people knew it where it was like the end of an era for a lot of those guys. Obviously, they're still very good players, and they can go on and play for another couple of years, but it wasn't – I think we held on to that group a little bit too long. Yeah, they got us in the World Cup uh, the four years before, and yeah. we rode them out and rode them till there was nothing left to ride. But I think now that they we have our hand forced where you have to bring in that new core group, I think that's going to be – it's going to be good for us, but I think at the same time, like not making the World Cup, I don't think, I mean, there's better teams in the U.S. that didn't make the World Cup as well. So it's something, I mean, it's sports. Everything's yeah. not going to be perfect when you make the World Cup every year. Sure. Right on. Um, so what are you looking forward to most about MLS? Um, what, let me even backtrack a little bit. <laughs> what, like, when you got, like, was it, uh, was the news kind of shared internally first or like when you heard this is this is going to happen for sure yeah like what like what went through your head um for me i was just i was like yeah this is great and i mean it's <laughs> it's awesome for the city like right now but like for me and especially the players like we still have to focus on this season and i think that was even the two months leading up or three months leading up to this point that was one of our hardest parts is because we, week in, week out, guys would be like, what's going on? Like, is are we going to MLS? Are we not going to MLS? What's going to happen? And then once we heard the news, it was kind of like, it was almost a relief. But, I mean, for me, the most exciting thing is just potentially having that ability to play at that level again, week in, week out. Because, I mean, last year we played the Open Cup games and... You got the chance. We got the chance to play three MLS clubs, and those were the games that you sought after because you can measure yourself to higher caliber players. Right. And then if you can get into the league again, you get to do that week in, week out. But it's not like it's a special occasion where it's an open cup and just do or die. You can do it every Saturday or every other Wednesday. Well, but that, but they're all, and it's kind of circle back to what we talked about before. There has to be a little bit more of a specialness to to think that not only are you getting to play at that level again, but you are a generous portion responsible for why we're getting to play at that level again. Does that make it even sweeter? Yeah. I mean, 
It's been it's been fun being from the beginning, and for me, it holds a little bit more value, I think, than maybe some of the new guys coming in. But at the same time, for some of these new guys coming in, if you can come in one year and you're making that leap to the next level six months later, eight months later, they're holding that same value of, I got the club up to this level because of what we've done. I mean... Mm-hmm. We've been doing it for three years, the original group or whoever's left from there. And testament to all the guys that have been here and moved on other places. I mean, we had good groups, but uh, it's for us, I think it's something a little bit more special and it'd be nice to get up there. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that's set in stone with, yeah, we're going to take all you guys up there or. Oh, right. Because, I mean, they could, you could go up there and then just clean house and then just be like yeah we'll start over just because i mean if you look at lafc they started from essentially nothing and now they're right up there at the top of the western conference so i mean they have platforms where you can take players and mingle them and mix them up or you can start fresh with everything and that shows that it can work as well well, uh, Minnesota recently made the jump, and they're they're kind of a, a team like ours. They came from the league, so they already had rosters. And um, I just had the you know chance to interview um, one of their riders over there in Minnesota uh, when we played in the Open Cup, and he said that the best players on their team now are the like three or four guys that they brought up from from that lower league and they're now the the stars of that team and they brought in a bunch of guys from scandinavia i think and 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 they tried to mix this weird group and they had a terrible first year and um at the end of the day it ended up being the the ones that they brought up with them that uh, he said that he wishes they would have trusted more because at the beginning they brought in some big names and and said okay we're gonna go with these guys first you guys just kind of thanks for coming along for the ride but just 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 wait it out and then now they're the ones, you know, that stuck there and, yeah. and worked. And, and Was the plan for FC to have a FC Cincinnati 2 right out of the gate? To Yeah, I don't – I know it's it's almost mandated from the league, MLS, to have that second group. And it's it might be next year that they have, like, the first team and the second team in the USL, but they might have gave them the leeway because we're jumping up that maybe don't worry about that until years time. Get your feet wet a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So. Not everyone's second team plays in the USL, right? They yeah play yeah. independently sometimes. Okay. Yeah, like they'll do. I think a lot of them are. Some of them just do like the academies. Like they have the second teams, but like it'll be a lot of younger kids. So the top age might be eighteen or nineteen, and then I think they'll Jimmy play academy that, yeah. tournaments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where. Wow. If you get a 17-year-old or 18-year-old that's good enough, you can sign him from your academy so they train with the full team. And then if if the coach wants to, you put him in a game and then see how he does. But they train with the full team to see if they can hang in practice. And then if they do well enough, you just put him on the roster for the full team for a game, let him play, and then hopefully he's good enough. And then you have a player from 18 years old that can potentially... Yeah play for 10 years. You can mold them like clay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so this is my last soccer question unless I think of another one. (laughs) Uh, The the one thing that I wondered last year and kind of this year too is when you've got the Open Cup going on the same time as your season and they don't really have one to do with the other, do you put more emphasis on 
like, let's focus on the season, and if we win the cup games, great, or we can really, you know, like last year especially, seemed like the cup games really elevated the profile of the club. Yeah. Like, as a team, how do you view those games? I mean, obviously you want to win every game you play, but is there more of an importance on winning a tournament, or, fo- like, is there a sigh of relief you breathe now that you're out of the cup, that you can focus on winning the league? Yeah, I think... A lot of guys talked about it that were here last year, and we were saying, like, last year, like, when we started getting into a long stretch of the Open Cup that you could see it reflected all in the league. But at the same time, I think you do have that sigh of relief where now we can just worry about the league week in, week out without the midweek games. But I think it was, I mean, it hit the guys that were there last year for the run. I think it hit us a little bit harder than the other guys just because, we know how special that tournament is, and you don't get that chance to play. It's almost an, <laughs> potentially an MLS Cup final, yeah. USL National Cup National TV, yeah. yeah. Week in, week out. So, I mean, it's for us, I think it's good where this club's going. I think it'll be good for us to focus on just the league. But, I mean, obviously you want to win the Open Cup, but you're not going to have that run every year unless you have – a club that's been farming players and you have the talent spread out where you can play 11 here Wednesday and 11 here Saturday. Yeah. So, and that's, that's what a lot of the MLS clubs are built for. I mean, in LA, that's, we didn't make the open cup runs just because we got knocked off by Carolina when I was there a couple of times, but we would have 11 that play league and then 11 other guys that would play, the Champions League. So then we'd make it all the way through Champions League, and then when it came to, like, the knockout rounds, then that's when you start splitting time with maybe the second team plays league and the first team tries to win the Champions League. So. Very cool. The uh, So we saw you this year already on uh, Sports Center Top Ten. Was it one? Was it, no, <laughs> yeah. was it number one? Number one. Yeah, awesome goal. And so I'm talking to uh, your teammate Michael LaHood last night, and, and he's talking about how he – he, you know, he watches you at practice, just try to nail these these shots in from random places on the field. Um, is that something that that you've picked up? You know, you do on your own. Uh, I just kind of want to know, like, where does that come from? You you, you want to go out there and just and just make sure you can hit those shots from anywhere, or just kind of just playing around? Um, most of it's just playing around, but I think a lot of it is, I think. It has to do with something with being around Bex for that one year and just some of the stories that I heard and then just watching some of the things that he's done, just messing around with how pinpoint his accuracy is, is something that stuck with me and I treasure from like being a part of that. And for me, it's, it's more about just having fun. But I mean, like on a shot like that, it's not something that I go out and practice. <laughs> but I mean, I do try and hit random stuff like that in training. And for me, it's a little exercise that I do is I've been getting pretty good at it is hitting soccer balls into trash cans from just different areas all over the place. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's just fun for me. It's more of a, just a personal thing to, almost to prove that I can still get better at stuff and not stop training and practicing. That ball, um, did you see the keeper was far out? Is that why you kind of attempted it? Or Yeah, I told uh, I told Manu right before it. I was like, Manu, if the ball comes to you, just 
you don't even have to look. Just kick it over because he's standing on his 18. I mean, he was in a good position, but it ended up just coming back to me, and I knew he was somewhat out, and I just struck it well. And I'm watching it again. I just, <laughs> every time it comes on, I'm like, did you insane. Did you hit it with this? How did you hit it? Because your foot looks like it comes up at some kind of a weird angle off well, from the TV camera. The, like, the shot itself is incredible, but the fact that it was off of a, off of a yeah. deflection, you know? <laughs> Like it never, it never touched the ground. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. I mean, I had the space, and there was a guy jumping, and I said, if once I hit it, I knew I hit it well, and if it got past the first guy, then I knew it had a chance. So we're watching it together. <laughs> that is so crazy. I talked to the goalie coach Jack, and I was like, I mean, all our goalies, I was like, it was like, is he in a bad spot there? And he's like, no, he has to be there. So it's not like he was out, out. Because if the ball gets flicked on, he has to be there to clean it up. So Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So uh, where are we at on time, P.S.? We are at an hour and one minute, but we'll probably cut off the beginning stuff. We, we uh, little, The chit-chat at the beginning. So probably around about, about an hour. Okay. So uh, what, is, what does Kenny Walker do when he's not playing soccer? What do you do for fun? Uh, we'll have two Great Danes at home, so they take up a lot of my time. But uh, I just like to chill out, and uh, I don't like to be inside too much. That's one of my kind of pet peeve things. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's from being out in the soccer field all the time when I was young, but if I sit inside too long, I get antsy. So either I'm up at the dog park taking them out, just hanging out, or out uh, cycling. I cycle quite a bit. So nice. So one of the things we do here on this show is we offer our listeners a code that they can use from now until the next episode comes out that you get to pick what that code is. Okay. So um, what, what would be a good term for Kenny Walker to give our fans to save some uh, 20% on their purchase for Cincy shirts? We'll say, um, I'll go with Slippery Slope. Slippery Slope. All right. I like do, it. Do it all one word, and I'll do it as two words, folks. So Slippery Slope, which is what you go down if you start giving out too many promo codes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's awesome, man. And uh, are you on social media at all? I am, but my girlfriend runs it. I actually kind of <laughs> unplugged for the past two years. Yeah. Just, once it started getting like too much where I was on it nonstop, I got a new phone and I just didn't install any of the stuff on there. So it's been actually pretty nice. I mean, you, you miss out on a lot of the stuff, but it's stuff that's in and out within two or three days anyway. So Yeah. Yeah. But people can follow a, a, a Kenny Walker account. On uh, yes. online, I don't know my Twitter, but I know Instagram is. It's my ba- it's my name backwards, Yannick Recklaw. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's your Twitter too. I don't, I don't yeah, it might it. be. I'm yeah, not sure. I think it is. PF, you'll, you'll put yeah. the link I'll find to all in that. The blog. It'll, yeah, it'll be on our uh, the Cincinnati the Cincinnati Shirts blog where we post the podcast, and also on the Podbean page. I'll try to find it. So if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else, either go to the Cincinnati Shirts blog or go to the Podbean page uh, where we're ho- where the podcast is hosted, and we'll have the links to all this stuff. Yeah, and uh, and as always, we appreciate everybody listening. 
Um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, however you take in your podcasts. And give us a review wherever you get your podcasts from, be it iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Yeah, as long as it's a good review. If it's well, a yeah. bad review, nobody wants to hear what you have exactly. to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Keep it to yourself. Um, <laughs> and we want to thank Boston for being here from yes. uh, Cincy Soccer Talk. Yeah, appreciate how, it. Uh, how can people follow along with what you guys are doing? Uh, you can follow us at Cincy Soccer Talk, pretty easy, or at CincinnatiSoccerTalk.com where we cover... Not just FC Cincinnati, but we try to cover PDL, uh, women's soccer, any, anything really happening in the city. Yeah, and then do you guys have events or meetups or anything like that? People can join you pre or post game to. Sure, I think all of us we try to stay in tune with the fan base. So most of us are a part of different fan groups like the Pride yeah. or Dean and Stott. So okay. you know we're we're not trying to replace any of that. We're just a media organization, but um, so you can find us out at really any of the local bars that the groups hang out at. Great. We'll be sure and check them out. (laughs) So, uh, Kenny, thanks again for being here. Uh, We really appreciate you. We really appreciate everything you've done for the team and the city. And, I mean, I just, as a fan, I can't thank you enough because this is, in my opinion, is long overdue for our city and our country to to get behind the team and to be able to see it happen locally is, is pretty special. So. Yep. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Boston. PF, thank you. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here on the Cincy Shirts Podcast. Everybody plays a beautiful game while I'm in Brazil. Cause it's all you've ever wanted, and it's all that you want still. Don't you wanna play the beautiful game out in Brazil? I wanna play the beautiful game while I'm in Brazil. Kenny Walker from FC Cincinnati. You can get his new player shirt, by the way, at cincyshirts.com or at one of our stores. And we are in over the Rhine and Hyde Park in Cincinnati. Loveland coming late June, uh, or it's looking like uh, could be toward the end of the month. And uh, you can probably hear uh, Fran, one of our store managers, wandering around back here looking for a shirt for customer right now. So this is truly in the back of Hyde Park. Today's show was produced by me with help from Josh and Darren, and I guess you could say Fran right there. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing, and they are from Philadelphia. You can find them on Facebook, and of course, you can find that song on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. So do check those guys out. Very nice of them to let us use their tune for our theme song. Find vintage cheese from Philadelphia and other great cities like Cleveland, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. In fact, we have soccer designs from Philadelphia, Cleveland, Atlanta, and Detroit that I know about the top of my head. So check those out. And in case you missed it, the promo code for this episode is Slippery Slope, and we'll do that as one or two words. And again, you can use that at both CincyShirts.com and OldSchoolShirts.com or in our stores in Cincinnati if you so desire. And uh, that's it. Tell your friends about the show. Download or stream us next time. Bye. Hey!